Marvin, Marvin's coming up. Let's give Marvin a hand. Marvin Adams. Now, Marvin, just to tell you guys, uh, Marvin has been in this movement since the very beginning. He actually was part of IHOP KC when they first started. He was there singing with Julie Myers. He, came, he went back, started his own house of prayer that was tremendously successful. Louise and I were part of that, our whole family, for two years worked with Marvin, and we just, like, were so blessed. But then the Lord called him back to Kansas City. To, Mike Bickle was starting the Forerunner Music Academy there to train all the musicians in the International House of Prayer. Uh, Marvin and another guy, Derek Laux, co-led that school for several years and developed that. And so a lot of the people you see on those teams are people Marvin's trained. He is, he is not a lightweight. This, he's not just some worship guy who has a pretty voice. He is a heavyweight in the kingdom. He started, he went back to Terre Haute to, like, that your hometown, right? or where your mom lives anyway. His mom and da uh, sister live, and went back to take care of his mom and sister, and then just wherever he goes. I mean, if we sent him to Alaska for a week, there would be musicians and singers just getting around him. He's, he just, wherever he goes, houses of prayer spring up. He's, he's my favorite friend in the world. Now he's also, launched, he developed a whole team of amazing leaders in Terre Haute, and now he's started another mission, he calls them a mission-based prayer. Praying missional community. Yeah, he started another one in uh, Indianapolis, and he's got his team and vision to start these all over Indiana. So uh, let's pray for Marvin and... Uh, just stretch out your hand. Father, we thank you for Marvin coming all the way here, leaving his family, his friends, and everything to be with us, God, to lead worship, to pour out his heart. God, I pray that you will give him a fresh fire and anointing right now, a fresh touch from your heart to his that he can release upon us and impart to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it has been a joy to be with you guys. This is my probably fifth time, fourth or fifth time here, and uh, many times to Dallas from way back Shady Grove days, and um, great friends with Brad Stroop and uh, the Prayer Room DFW. I'll be there speaking tonight, and um, anyway, Tom is my best friend in the world. He's my buddy, and so anything he asks me to do, I'm like, Tom, I'm your servant. I'm going to serve you and bless you. And I just want to say I'm so impressed with um, with Grace here, with Cynthia, Karen, this team, and just your servant-heartedness. I just really bless what the Lord is doing. I've been a cheerleader and champion for what's happening in Dallas-Fort Worth for over 10 years now, and so tracking with you guys. And really, you are talked about. Your city is talked about um, across the U.S. for um, just the uh, the number of prayer ministries and houses of prayer emerging here, prayer reality and praying churches and the uh, unity that you guys are experiencing and helping one another, that it's not segmented and compartmentalized and um, fragmented tribes, but really you are for one another. And guys, that's rare in Christian ministry right now. It should be the norm. And I just want to say it's exemplary and God high fives you and wants you to continue walking in humility and open handedness with one another and you know guys this the theme the past three days it has been so powerful here and um 
just one of the kind of emerging themes over the last couple of days has been the Father has been manifest in our presence. And um, the Father is speaking loud and clear in this day. And, and for those who have ears, you better hear. For those who have ears, um, the Father is trumpeting his voice to take heed and pay attention in this day, all the way from the things that um, Lewis is leading and trumpeting. He's raising up voices, but I want to just tell you it's, it's one voice. It's the Father's voice going forth in this hour. And um, there's a, a kind of a fresh focus on the Father in this season. I just want to tell you, for prayer to really go forth, you have to have a clear understanding of the Father and his affection and his love. I'll tell you about a brief encounter I had a here a while back, and I was in our prayer room in Terre Haute, Indiana, and we've got about 100 people in our core that we pray together seven days a week, and um, it's just a real simple, sweet little tribe. I love them so much, and we track together, and we, we do worship-based prayer meetings, and we go out and share Jesus with the lost, and we serve the poor in our city, and then we meet house to house. We do the book of Acts. We're, we're actually living out the book of Acts. We're proving that's not just for the early church. It is God's design for the church of Jesus Christ, and so we're throwing off all the extra weights, and we're simplifying, like Cynthia said, to do the book of Acts, and so um, out of one of those prayer meetings, I was driving home on a Friday evening um, through the cornfields of Indiana. I'm driving my little uh, blue pickup truck, and um, three times in my life, I've had an, what I would call an open vision, where literally, I mean, it has only happened three times in my life where, boom, right before me, I'm like in another place. And so uh, about a year back, this was one of those times, and I'm driving down in the dark, this country road through the cornfields and uh, I am suddenly you know coming out of our prayer meeting I'm driving about five minutes down and I am in this open vision and in this open vision and it's like a movie playing out before me I can't see where I'm driving I'm not there in the truck and before me suddenly I'm back in our prayer room and um, it was a significant size prayer room it would seat about 500 people and and um, in this vision I I'm in the front talking with a group of our friends and we're just laughing and enjoying, you know, at, you know, it's like the, the, the post glory. We're just there hanging out, like having fun. And, um, I see Jesus and this young adult man, this young, young man walk in the back door and they are moving like they have a purpose. And I notice them immediately and they are headed straight for me. And so I excuse myself from my group of friends and, and we meet right in the middle of the room. And um, Jesus is moving like he has business. And he's bringing this young adult man with him. And, and they stop right before me. They get right in front of me. And um, Jesus looks at this young, young man and he says, tell him. And the young man looks at me and he says, I don't need a prophet. I need a father. And Jesus turns and looks at me and he's... And, it's like one of those when he looks at you and wants you to pay attention, you know it. And he looks at me and says, the day is coming when one blessing of a father will carry more weight than a thousand prophetic words. 
and I'm lifted out of this vision and I'm driving again. And I don't know how I got from point A to point B. And again, I'm not hyping that because it's only happened two or three times in my life, but it was so profound that he did it. And the whole issue was this issue of father and the voice of the father and the need for fathers. Remember, Paul said that he's like, guys, there are huge dysfunctions going on because you have many teachers, many filled with knowledge and even some revelation, and they can gather a conference and do the ministry, but you have few fathers and, and the father wants to be well known in this time and the success of our prayer meetings and being a praying church that makes it through this last hours that we're in has so much to do with listening to the father, receiving his affections like we were led in those ministry times. I just was so blown away by how many people raised their hand last night that they were touched emotionally in that place with the father and it's significant. Matthew 17, I love this story of the transfiguration. You know, Jesus takes his boys. He's got his three main boys, his leadership team. These are the three he's been pouring, you know, pouring into all 12, but he's got his three closest buddies, his, his boys, and they go up to the mountain. And of course, we know Jesus is shown as he actually is glorified radiant shining like the sun so beautiful and and like this very weird thing happens all of a sudden Elijah and Moses show up and like talk about a prayer meeting guys it's like you know it's you know in Hebrews 12 like we have come to Mount Zion like whether it's heaven or earth I don't know but we're in the prayer meeting we are in the capital P M prayer meeting and so amazing and these guys are like can you imagine being one of the boys and watching all that transpire i know i would get so messed up i know i would blow it and like have my paradigms all wrong because i'd be so impressed like oh my gosh moses and eliza are are like there like they're counseling jesus they're like doing this and like heaven has come to earth and it's so glorious you know and of course peter's the first guy to always open his mouth and and here's the thing we're all peter We've all got that in us, okay? So don't just point and go, man, that guy is such a Peter. We see Peter because there's something in all of us that's innately like we're clunky, guys. Stop trying to act so impressive and like you've got it all together. We're clunky. We're human beings. And so I love Peter because God chose a clunky guy to like build the foundations of like that which would turn the, the, the earth upside down and cause this kingdom to be advanced. So if you feel disqualified and clunky, guess what? You're qualified. But Peter, again, he gets in trouble. He opens his mouth like, this is such, like, talk about waves of glory. Talk about such an awesome encounter. Like, we need to, we need to really make sure we don't lose this momentum. We need to like capitalize on this glory. We need to like get people up here and like do a conference and like build this like, you know, gathering place and like we'll have one for you and we'll have one for Moses and we'll have one for Eliza and like Papa, Papa gets up on the chair. I don't want to offend anyone for staying on the chair, but my shoes are clean. Guys, when God gets on the chair as Papa, you better watch out. There's a few times in scripture he gets up on the chair. Here in Matthew 17, guess what? Papa gets up on the chair. 
and his voice, his thunderous, audible voice breaks in. And I love it. While Peter was still speaking, well, Peter's always speaking. Peter's always like, blah, 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 you know, like, I got something to say, Jesus. Here's my opinion. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice said, this is my son. I'm well pleased with him. And then these words have haunted me the last few weeks. Listen to him. Guys, the crises that we are facing as a nation and as the nations of the earth right now, there is only one solution. Listen to him. I just want to make it very clear. This is not a time to sideline things. This is not a time to get off on sideline peripheral issues. Even with waves of glory and power that are coming, there's an inherent danger that we could sideline things and, and look to the right or to the left. And the Father's voice is booming in this hour saying this, I want you to take heed and listen to my son. Well, guys, guess what? That's prayer. Prayer is not just us talking like Peter. Part of prayer is like listening and responding. Guess what? Jesus has an opinion, and we call it truth. You hear me? That's profound. Jesus has an opinion. It's called the truth. Jesus has so much that he wants to say, and the Father, the Father is ever like sending the Spirit forth, saying, arresting people, saying, pay attention to my son. You know, we're so focused on Elijah's stuff and Moses' stuff and just mere men. I mean, they're super cool dudes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Amazing stuff. But guys, they're just men. They're clunky. Moses and Elijah were clunky like you and I are clunky. Here's the thing. Jesus is what's needed in this hour. We don't need more strategies and more like cool plans. We don't need more flashing lights and, and uh, things to garner attention to ourselves. We need Jesus in our midst. We need the power of God breaking forth. I love this story, and Tom teaches on this so much and so powerful in Chronicles of the, you know, just the power and the glory of the Ark of the Covenant being a picture of the resting place and the presence of God. You know, in 1 Chronicles 13, we have the story of, of David just gets moved by God saying, it's not okay. Like Saul was okay to have the ark just not very valued. The presence of God not valued. That was, that was uh, Saul's value system to not just say, Let's, we're going to focus on might and power and military victory and flexing our muscles. But David was of a different spirit, right? He was a man after God's own heart. And God showed up in David. It's not okay for Israel and for this leadership team to be that far apart from this thing that represents the very presence of God in their midst, the Ark of the Covenant. So they, David was moved to bring the ark back into Jerusalem to actually park it 
near him so the priest could minister, be a living veil around that and sing songs of truth to counter the darkness and the accusation, the railing offense against God in that day. So great plan, great idea. Verse 7, it says, they ended up carrying the ark of God on this new cart from the house of Abinadab. You guys all know the story. You probably have heard it preached a thousand different ways, but what happened? So the, the ark is being carried in on this, this new cart, and uh, the oxen stumbles, and Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark, probably out of, you know, who knows the motivation of his heart, but what happens to Uzzah? Struck down. I mean, God's wrath and displeasure strikes him down. I just want to posit this because we are trying to prop up the church with so many things instead of prayer this day. I just want to say this, a mechanism or even a model, even in prayer meetings, isn't adequate to carry the presence of God. There's no mechanism that's adequate to carry the presence of the Lord. And, and we know what they, they went back and did. They inquired of the Lord. So this, I want, I want the priesthood to carry the ark on their shoulders. Guys, listen to me. Nothing can substitute for your own voice. If you're trying to find some way to do prayer, where really it's like, I'll have James be my servant guy, and he'll go do prayer for me. It's the same Tom was talking about the, the oil. The foolish ones were saying, I'll sign up, but really I'm going to send James to go do it for me. It does not work that way. We're looking for easy, quick fixes, and the Lord is saying, this may not be the easiest way, but it's for sure the most pleasurable. It's the most enjoyable if you make it about enjoyable worship and loving me in my presence. Once you taste that, you won't want to go back to anything, but it's not the quick fix. And it does require your time. It requires you showing up. It requires your attendance. And like there's something in the, the makeup of man. We just want this like mechanism, something quick and flashy or the a newfangled thing to do all the work so it's easy for us. I want to tell you, running a house of prayer is not an easy job. Leading a praying church is not an easy job. It's not an easy job to contend with the people that God says, I want your time, your money, your attentions, your affections, your relationships. I want it all. I am after everything. I will leave no stone unturned in your life. I want everything in your life. Imagine leading a people where God is so confrontive and provocative. He's holy and he's good. And he's kind, but he is provocative. God has no problem as Papa getting on the chair and saying, I do have an issue with the American church in this day. You are looking for mechanisms to carry my presence, not out of the goodness of your heart. You want it easy for yourselves. But my way has always been prayer. It's been time in my presence. You know that whole thing of Mary and Martha. Again, we've heard a thousand sermons on it. You know, Martha's distracted with so much serving and then the busyness of all the preparations of hosting the presence of God. And like Mary is all about the presence of God. And like 
Papa gets on the chair and he calls Martha out. He has a word of knowledge. Jesus has a word of knowledge for Martha and says, Martha, you're using all this irritation as a smoke screen for anxiety because you're empty and you feel dead and dry on the inside because you're looking for a mechanism or even a model to quickly get like that good feeling that you're valued and you have worth. There's nothing that will replace time at my feet. Time with me. I so I wrote down that I'm going to Facebook it and claim credit for it, but I'll wait three days, Tom. So it's like, you know, knowing you're loved by God is not the same as knowing God who loves you. It's so powerful. I mean, that is powerful. And the only way to know God is to spend time with him. Yet the American church is looking for every other way to circumvent this, to do what is the microwave version for spending time with God? There is none. Okay, microwave food is crap. (laughs) There is no other version of this. You must, you must spend time with God. I think it's so interesting, this whole issue of, you know, and finally they do get it right you know, they bring in, they bring in the presence of God. You know, the, the priesthood carries it in. And they finally celebrate. And it's like much fear and trembling in this process. You know, I just want to say there's two responses to how we deal with getting God in our midst. Here's the problem. When there's a crisis, it's really about like God's not in our midst. Like we need God and God is not like here like that's what every crisis ultimately if you boil it down to is about so what do we respond how do we attract the presence of the lord how do we deal with the getting the presence of god there's usually two responses guys there's the response of abinadab's sons Uzzah and ohio they they say you know, let's come up with this newfangled, flashy solution. Let's throw this together and let's throw the right lighting and do a little fog and like, you know, have some glory goosebumps and like say we have the presence of God, but it costs you nothing. There's no call to the people to let's return to God. And th- th- it actually looks a certain way. Returning to God, it's like you repent of your sins. You spend time with him. You actually develop affection-based living. You stop listening to the voice of strangers. You love the truth. You build a fortress of truth and hope on the inside. You spend time in his word. You let his word rule over you and reign over you. You don't put the word on the ground and just stamp on it saying, I'm over the word. That's what spiritual defection is, by the way. It's happening. I'm watching my friends, guys. I have friends, I've traveled all over the nations and I'm watching evangelical friends jump ship left and right now. It is a fearsome thing. I'm watching friends who I thought would never stray from the Lord. They're jumping ship, leaders jumping ship left and right because of exactly what Gary preached last night. It is so, it's not a season that's coming. We are in that season now. And I think so much of that defection 
that jumping ship is happening because we've tried to find like the newfangled solutions. Like how do we prop up church? How do we get things to grow? How do we become more successful? And nickels and noses have driven so much of our ministry agenda. And God says, it's always from the garden. It was about being with me. Calvary, redemption, the plan, this crazy radical plan of God coming in the flesh to redeem not a mechanism or not just a strategy or a model or a system. He wants human beings. He wants people. He wants you. He wants you and I to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. All the way to the very end of the age where it says, like, my church will be a house of prayer. A house of prayer isn't just some new model. All it means is time spent with God. Now, there's, there are structures that we can do to make it more conducive to doing that corporately because it is not, I want to tell you, biblically, it's not enough to do it alone. This whole thing, this whole thing that's out there, it's you and me alone, God, that is dangerous. That is not New Testament biblical Christianity. That is another version of the false gospel. Okay, it's like, of course, we have our deep, secret, private life in God that no man sees. But we also are linked arm in arm and we draw strength in fellowshipping deeply, loving one another deeply and encountering God together. We do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That isolationism that is like plaguing the church in the West that says, I'll do it my way on my terms with the amount of money that I want is not biblical Christianity. And the Lord is standing on the chair as Papa saying, listen to my son. You want Elijah ministry or Moses ministry. You have God in the flesh before you listen to my son. How do we do that? We have to get into our prayer rooms, not just our prayer closet. Yes, absolutely. Our prayer closet, but we have to get into our prayer rooms and seek God together like never before. Guys, I'm telling you, it is the only hope for America. The only hope for our nation is to turn to God by spending time with him in truth, worship, adoration, powerful intercession, decreeing what he wants to do, partnering, hand-holding with his dreams for planet Earth. Loving well, walking in humility. All these things are so, so important to him. These two responses, Abinadab's son saying, let's find the quick fix. Surely something easy, like don't reinvent the wheel. It's like, God's like, I didn't want wheels in the first place. I want human beings. You know, and I just think, I think, you know, they were, the ark was at Abinadab's uh, house for a little while. And I, I think sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. It doesn't have to, though. But I think in their case, they're like, eh, what's this ark thing? I mean, what's the big deal about the presence of God? We'll find some way to deal with this. But not all responded to that. Remember Obed-Edom and his guys, his little tribe? Man, that ark was at their house, and they valued the presence of God. They valued it so much that their response was, man, if that ark's moving, guess where I'm moving? I'm going to get into David's neighborhood somehow. 
I'm going to be around that thing. I'm somehow, I'm going to get on the leadership team. I'm signing up for the house of prayer. I'll do the school of prayer. If God is there, if it's his presence, then that's where I'm headed. Guys, familiarity can either breed contempt or it can fuel passion for God. Which are you going to be? Which response? Some of you have been in this church for years and you've heard so many messages on prayer and trying to stir up this or that. Guys, it really is a new day. It really is a new season in this ministry. God really is building a in-time prophetic praying army that will stand and love him and value him and also snatch many from the flames in the days that are coming. He really is doing it in your midst. So don't, don't hold contempt for Jehop. I just want to make it very clear. Tom's not said one word or asked me to say this, but I just feel it as a papa in the prayer movement. Do not hold contempt for this house of prayer. Be careful. Because it's not an oxen cart. It's, it just means, Jehop means sign up to spend time with God. And you don't have to, you get to. You don't have to. No one shames you into doing these things. It should be like, I get to do this. So powerful. So, Lord, I just bless what you're doing in this ministry and all over DFW, what you are raising up. And, Lord, I just pray for this thing in us that wants to fix things quickly, saying like, oh, my gosh, surely there's got to be another way but prayer. Can I get this fixed by doing something else, by having to give up my time, my checkbook, my friendships, my, my TV viewing habits? Guys, guess what? God's going to touch your TV viewing habits. But remember, you don't have to. You get to. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would come. I'm asking that you would breathe on this family here made up of many different churches. I'm asking for a fresh move of God that has everything to do with our time, our affections, our attention, and our money. Lord, for where a treasure is, there our heart will be also. God, I'm asking you for a fresh move, and I'm asking any contempt that would be on about spending time with you would just be removed now. Just stand up on the chair and remove that, Father. Let your voice be about, listen to my son. I'm praying, would you shout a huge listen to my son over the ministries of DFW in this hour? And I bless everything you're doing in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Wow.